Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's turn in our Bibles to Job, the ninth chapter, the book of Job, the ninth chapter. We're going to speak on justification. Some years back, I heard a preacher say, what is wrong with a fundamentalist knowing something? And I think that, and uh, Dr. Monroe Parker, a great preacher of the past, evangelist, he pastored evangelists, taught in Bible colleges, seminaries, different things. He was in a town where Yale University is located in a meeting. He knew one of the professors in that, that taught at Yale, and uh, the professor came to see him while he was there. They visited for a few moments, and the professor invited him to come and speak to one of the classes, one of his classes, and so he did. He went, but the professor introduced him. When the professor introduced him, he said, now, I want you to meet a sane fundamentalist. And anyway, what is wrong with a fundamentalist knowing something? And I think that we need this word. In Job the ninth chapter, verses one and two. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? How can man be justified before God, let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts from your word. Lord, open up the scripture to our understanding. Lord, give us something fresh. Fresh oil from heaven, fresh bread from heaven. And Lord, strengthen us today. We pray that you will make the truth of the scripture real to us. It'll not be a closed book, but you will open it up this morning. We realize only the Holy Spirit can do that. And we come praying for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Job was having a most difficult time. His dear friend, Bildad, came with many accusations. Without hesitating, Bildad accused Job of having sin in his life. Now, Bildad was one of those super separated saints who had lost his way and lost his real purpose for being here. And uh, when we are going through stressful times, when we're tired physically and emotionally, the devil will come to drain us spiritually. He comes with many accusations and he works to implant doubts in our minds. And he may whisper to a dear, precious, well-meaning, trusted friend. But during reverses in life, we need to be anchored in God's infallible, inerrant word so that we will have spiritual strength to stand firm when we cannot see the way out of the dilemma that has come to us. We need the word of God so that we can recognize his goodness and sense the presence of the Lord. When others are falling by the wayside and our hearts are burdened and crushed, knowledge of these blessed truths of justification will keep our minds sound 
and of our lives faithful to walk in his ways. During a time of severe testing, Job asks the question, how should man, a mere mortal, be just with God? He speaks of justification, of being justified. He wants to know how a man who is born spiritually blind can be justified by an all-seeing God whose eyes run to and fro over the earth. Job had a desire to know how a man who is born unlearned in spiritual things, how that man can be justified by an omniscient or an all-knowing God. Another question to answer is how can a helpless, weak, mortal man be justified before an omnipotent or an all-powerful God? And then how can a man who is limited to the realm of time and so limited in time be just before an omnipresent God, a God who is present everywhere and not limited to time? Most probably you have asked or at least wondered how you could be justified by a holy God. The Lord has not left us without an answer. We only need to look into the word of God that the Lord has given us to answer this most important question. Justification is a legal term. It has to do with our standing before God. It means to set forth as righteous. It does not mean to make righteous. It, does, it means to declare righteous. Justification is setting one right before law legally. Now, we were in God's court, and as a result of Jesus' righteousness put to our account, God declared us righteous and set us before his law as righteous ones. You see, regeneration has to do with a believer's nature that takes place within us. Sanctification has to do with a believer's conduct that is a result of having a new nature, a nature that produces love, holiness, power, and a sound mind in the believer. But justification has to do with our standing before God or setting us right before God's law. The very moment a person comes to Christ, they receive a new nature that takes place within the, within the person but there's something else God does for the person receiving Christ that the person can neither see nor experience. In fact, we would not even know we are justified if the word of the Lord did not tell us about it. The Lord justifies us by declaring us righteous. And he declares us righteous on the merits of the all-sufficient work of Christ in his death burial, and resurrection. God declares a repentant sinner justified. We have some things positionally. That is, we have some things before God that we do not have experientially. Justification is one of those things. And position is different than performance. There are three things incorporated into justification. There are they are forgiveness, imputation, and fellowship. Let us note each one of these 
words as given in the Bible. The first thing included in justification is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is the act of pardoning somebody for a mistake or wrongdoing. It is to free from the consequences of our sins. And all of us need forgiveness. God has been rejected. He's been offended. He's been insulted, disappointed, and his unexplainable love has been scorned, spurned, refused, unwanted, snubbed, abandoned, and denied. God's divine forgiveness is often misunderstood. His forgiveness is different than man's forgiveness. Someone says to us, so I'm sorry, I, I said the wrong thing. I didn't mean to do that. You say, oh, just forget it. It's, it's, you don't, you're forgiven. But listen, God's forgiveness costs more than we can pay. Listen, God's holiness must be completely satisfied. The sacrifice offered must be one of perfection and have somewhat to offer. You see, we need more than just our sins forgiven. And Hebrews 9, uh, Hebrews 8, 3, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. That is, every high priest that served in the temple or the tabernacle. Jesus is our high priest. So if they offer gifts and sacrifices, listen to the remainder of the scripture. Wherefore, it is of necessity, it is necessary that this man, this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, have somewhat also to offer. He is offering us something. What is he giving to us? Jesus meets our need. He offers to us his perfect life. More than sins forgiven. He gives to us his perfect life. His, he gives to us his righteousness, his holiness. He, he will give us a new body. Uh, he will give an everlasting home in heaven. And we will reign with him forever. So when we think of what he has given us and will give us in the future, we say, oh, come, let us adore him. Uh, only perfection can enter into the presence of God. Jesus is the son of perfection. The heavenly father is satisfied with Jesus' sacrificial offering of himself. Of himself, the son of perfection. And when we receive Jesus into our heart through repentance and faith, the Lord Jesus takes away all of our sins, and gives to us his perfect life. We have the forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Isaiah 53, 6, as all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, on the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Uh, Acts, the 13th chapter, verses 38 and 39. What great scripture. Listen. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, the Lord Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. The preacher needs to preach the forgiveness of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to do it. And, and verse 39 says, By him, by the Lord Jesus 
all that believe, that believe, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Think about it. The law of Moses could not justify any person, not a one. Now, this scripture teaches that in Jesus, there is the forgiveness of sin and the removal of its guilt and its punishment. Think of the punishment for sin. Hell is a horrible place, and every person there is filled with guilt, and no one makes worse company than a guilt-laden person. Listen, it is on the basis of forgiveness that God justifies us or declares us righteous and sets us before his law as righteous one. The second thing included in justification is imputation. We don't hear that word often, but it simply means to put something against. And Christ's righteousness is put to our account when we come to him for salvation. Listen, David gives us the example in Romans, the fourth chapter, six through eight. Paul, writing about David, said, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without worth. There's the word imputed, put to the account of. Now, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. That's our past sins. Whose sins are covered. That's our present sins. And then verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Think about it. Ed, I'm glad to be saved, glad to be a Christian, born again. I'm glad the Holy Ghost came to me when I was far away and way down and gave me the lift that lasts and put a new life in me and gave me a book called the Bible that I could read and begin to learn this blessed truth. We're still learning what Jesus did and going to do. See, blessed means fortunate, well-off, happy, undisturbed joy. God has invoked divine favor on the Christian by putting his, his own righteousness to the person's account and refuses to charge sin to their account. Why? Why doesn't he charge it to us? It's already been charged to the Lord Jesus, and he paid it on the cross of Calvary. You say, well, that's a past sin. No, that's all of the sin. Because if there was sin that Jesus didn't pay on the cross, when's he going to pay it? He's not going to die again. You and I can't pay for it. It would take an eternity in hell for us to pay. And the Lord Jesus paid it all. And um, the person who knows that God will not charge sin to his or her account is fortunate, well off, happy and has a deep abiding joy and a peace that cannot be disturbed. Listen, that's satisfaction and that is security. By way of illustrating, let me ask uh, a question. Let's just suppose you owe a debt, but do not have the money to pay your just debt. Now I realize no one in here has that problem and I'm glad, but fortunately, you have a friend, very, a rich friend, very rich, loves you very much. And he says to you, I will pay your debt for you. I will pay it. And he goes to the bank, takes out his money, 
and goes to the bank and pays your debt. Now, he puts his money to your delinquent account and you step forth out of debt. And you say, well, I'll repay you. No, no, this is a gift of love. You, never owe, you do not owe me anything. And that is what the Lord Jesus did for us. He took our sins to the cross and paid for them all. You say, well, I'm going to help you now. No, we don't owe it to him. We owe him ourselves, surrender ourselves to him. But it was, think about it, it was not your money that paid your debt. It was your friend's money. But the bank will graciously accept his money to pay your debt. And it, we all owe a debt that we cannot pay. Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. Our sins were put to the account of Jesus, and he put his righteousness to our account, and he settled the old account of our sin debt long ago. Listen, it was not settled by our worthiness. It was settled by his worth. And do not think of how bad you are. You think of how great he is, and you can be saved. Sin is a fountainhead of all misery and all sorrow. When sin is forgiven and guilt removed, and when we know that God will not charge sin to our account, we have a joy, a deep settled peace way down deep within that circumstances cannot disturb. The third thing included in justification is fellowship. First uh, John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. I like that verse, that, that uh, phrase from the Apostle John. He said, what we've seen and heard, that is what he had learned from God, he is declaring to them. And we don't need to hear anything in Sunday school or the pool, from the pulpit other than what God has said and done. It's not personal opinion. Forget that. Uh, he said that you also may have fellowship, number one, with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the, number two, the Father. And with his, number three, the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we have fellowship in the congregation, we're in fellowship with the Father, in fellowship with the Son. Listen, that makes a happy family, and it makes a happy church. The penalty for our sins has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have been, number one, forgiven and sins, guilt, and punishment have been removed. And number two, Christ's righteousness has been put to our account. That is imputation. And number three, we have been restored to fellowship with him. We can come into his presence through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the fellowship that was lost through the first Adam in the Garden of Eden has been restored through Christ, who is the second Adam. Every person born into this world since Adam in the Garden of Eden was born separated from God. But Jesus came to reconcile us to God and restore fellowship with him. After salvation, we have fellowship with the Lord, and we rejoice to tell you the wonderful truth that through the Lord Jesus Christ, you too can be saved and have fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Job asks a question, how should man 
be just with God. And we ask, how can a sinful man have his sins forgiven, have Christ's righteousness put to his account, and have fellowship with the Holy God? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament writers clearly answers these questions for us. Let us note, uh, there are seven aspects of justification. Number one, we are justified by God. Not man, not denomination, not belief, but by God himself. Romans 8, 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. It is God's court. And he is the one who declares us innocent or guilty. If my being justified is of God, then it is not of me. If it is not of me, it is not of my works, my goodness, or any other claim that I may present to God. From John the 6th chapter, verses 8 through 29, we learn that it is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial and resurrection that saves us. A group of religious people came to Jesus and they asked, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now they're trying to entrap him. But what shall we do? They were religious. They wanted to do something. Uh, that's all that they ever knew. Most religions teach you gotta do it. But listen, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. This is the work. It is not our work. It is God's work in his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, this is the work, the only work of God, that you believe, that you trust, that you rely on, that you commit your heart and life to the Lord Jesus uh, that you believe on him whom he has sent. From Romans 3.12, we learn that no man is good. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one, not one person. You see, we can identify with the apostle Paul when he wrote in Romans the seventh chapter, for I know that in me, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my sinful nature, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing in me that God will accept. I must have his righteousness. Uh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, uh, that I would, I do not. I would do the good, but I, I don't do it. I don't have the word to all to do it. But the evil which I would not do, that I do. You see, there's a struggle with it all the time. It is God who declared us righteous, not on our merits, but on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sets us before his law as righteous ones. When he declares us righteous, no one or no power on earth or in the heavens can bring any charge against us before God. In fact, Paul wrote in Romans 8, chapter verse 38, 
He said, for I'm persuaded, persuaded in heart and in mind that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. We are justified by God. We are justified by his grace. Listen, Romans 3, 24. Be, being justified. The word being means having been justified freely by his grace. Justified how? Freely by his grace. Not through us paying, not through our works, not through pedigree, not through religion, but by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And Romans eleven six. if by grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Titus 3, 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen, we are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are heirs by right of a new birth. We are saved by grace, not our goodness. Free grace does not mean cheap grace. Free grace does not mean that we are not responsible. You see, man fell, but when he is under Holy Ghost conviction, he has the ability to choose the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. We are responsible to choose God's grace that is freely given to us. We are justified by his blood. Uh, Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified, not going to be justified, we are justified now. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Have you thought about Cain in the Old Testament? Uh, Cain had a real problem. Uh, he was rejected by the Lord, but he was not rejected because he was a sinner. He was rejected because he had dared to approach a holy God without blood, and God rejected him. You see, every drop of blood that dripped from Calvary's tree is sufficient to set any sinner free. And though we have religions that reach from sea to sea, I thank God that Jesus is sufficient for me. Oh, we are justified by his resurrection. Uh, Romans 1, 4, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. See, we need Jesus' resurrection to be saved. Oh, he paid for our sins on the cross. That's not enough. We need, we need life, eternal life. We need his life. And Jesus resurrected, and he gives to us his eternal life. His life in us saves us. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians, the third chapter. Romans 4, 25. Who was delivered? That is, Jesus was delivered to the cross for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He went to the cross 
Then he was raised. Why? For our justification. Jesus' resurrection proved that his redemptive work in his death, burial, and resurrection satisfied the heavenly Father. The heavenly Father's holiness has been satisfied by the perfect life, the perfect work, the perfect person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by his life. The Bible says, Romans 5, 10, that we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's not the good life he lived on earth, no. That is his resurrected life invested in us. Uh, Romans 5, 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the Lord Jesus, the free gift, the free gift of his righteousness came upon all men under justification of life. You see, the life Jesus lived on earth did not atone for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins in his death on the cross. But without a sinless life on earth, Jesus could not qualify for the cross and could not be the Savior. But Jesus laid down a sinless life. He now lives a resurrected life and is seated by the right hand of the Father. It is his sinless, resurrected life in us that justifies us. We can say that Jesus is on earth in us and in heaven for us. You see, and Jesus is a propitiation. He's a sacrifice, the atoning victim for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is not a limited atonement. It's for the whole world. Jesus is a sacrifice God provided for all of us. He provided it for you. He's the only sacrifice acceptable to God. And we must accept God's sacrifice as sufficient to save us from our sins. As the atoning victim, Jesus paid the full penalty for all of our sins. And only God can justify us. Therefore, we must allow him to do his work of justifying us. He will never enter anyone's heart against their will. God will not strong arm his way into your heart, but he will come into anyone's heart who invites him to come in. So today we invite him through repentance and faith. And let us encourage you to invite Jesus into your heart at this present moment. You've been thinking about it. The Holy Spirit's been bringing it to your mind. Now it's time to take action. Jesus said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever matters not who, when, where. Just call upon him. That's a call out of the heart. Uh, it's wanting to be saved more than you want your sin. If you want your sin more than heaven, if you want your sin more than Jesus, he'll not save you. But when you want him above all and everything else, you open your heart and ask him to save you. And you could do that now in this service. What a great time it would be for you. And all of heaven would rejoice if you did that. 
and you would be the happiest person here. You would leave here with the joy bells of heaven ringing in your soul. Let us stand with our heads bowed. We stand with our heads bowed, eyes are closed, musicians are coming, we're going to have a verse of song. This is an invitational hymn for you to come to Christ. Maybe you have felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit before, but today it is strong. He's there again calling you, urging you to come to Christ. We encourage you to come. Do it. Do not say no to God. Don't turn the heel towards the Lord Jesus Christ, but let go and let him save you today. Our Heavenly Father, have your will and way in every heart and life. Help that soul, dear Father, that needs to be saved, not to sin against their soul, but come to Christ so he can save them. Help that Christian that needs to make that commitment to Christ, surrender their whole life to Christ. Help them to do it today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.